Welcome to the official FASTA podcast. If you don't have an SOC2 report, you aren't going to be able to sell to major customers. SecureFrame helps startups get and maintain SOC2 compliance in as little as two weeks. Join companies like Stream, Hasura, Benapass, and unlock more sales with SecureFrame. Saster listeners get $1,000 off at secureframe.com forward slash Saster. In today's Saster Insider, Saster SVP and GM, Amelia Ibarra sits down with Alain Elroy, co-founder and CMO at Bizabo, on what's next for the future of B2B events. We're so excited for you guys to be joining us here at Annual at Home. Um, obviously, we're going to be talking a lot about events today, so we just wanted to do a little icebreaker on the favorite events. I have a lot on my bucket list that I was supposed to check off this year, but the uh, rain check for next year in person. Um, so I'm Amelia Barr. I'm the GM and SVP here at Saster. I'm sure many of you know me from the many emails we send to our attendees and on social media. And I'm so thrilled to be joined by Alone here. He's the co-founder, CMO, CCO, wear many hats at Bizabo. Um, Sasser has been a Bizabo customer and fan for many years now. We're great partners um, alone. Like any any other intro you want to give to the audience about yourself? No, I think these are um, amazing, um, amazing and challenging times for the event industry. And I'm very excited and happy to see many of our customers and many event professionals um, in the audience. Um, this is really a time for the industry to, to show up to, to be innovative, to deal with a lot of uh, stress. And I really think that there isn't any other um, industry and, and profession that have that resilience to navigate through these crazy times. Um, and in general, I think this, this, this time is a time where we see so many creative people coming up with so many different innovations and i'm very excited to talk about what's next for events so thank you thank you very much for for inviting me yeah no we're we're stoked to have you we alana and i had like a about the length of the session prep call where we had a lot that we went through um so we're we're gonna start hitting the points so obviously state of events in 2020 we've been talking a little bit about here um you know obviously saster annual was it was supposed to be earlier this year, had to be postponed due to COVID. We're now reimagining it here. You guys are live with us as a digital event. You know, TechCrunch is going totally virtual for Disrupt in a few weeks. There's no Dreamforce in person this year. There was no Coachella, which I was very sad about. Um, you know, all the events in the Bay Area across the world getting canceled, um, doing it digitally. And yet, as Alone and I talked about, and we know, the cloud is on fire, especially for events, digital events. It seems like every day there's a different digital event happening or people are announcing their like, you know, speaker lineup for their next virtual event. So virtual events have definitely been experiences boom and sort of being one of the COVID beneficiaries, as we call it here at Saster. It's like, you know, events are not taking place the way that we imagined that they would take place in 2020, but they're definitely finding a way to not only thrive, but like survive and thrive and like really try and take things to the next level. Obviously, we're all used to using Zooms now. We're all, you know, people alone mentioned earlier, his kids going back to school in person. Like some people I know are doing virtual classrooms. Like there's a lot happening virtually these days. Um, you know, internal events 
are going virtual for a lot of folks. I, I haven't been to an internal SKO, but I know that some folks are doing that, which is definitely different than, you know, the usual of like going, taking your sales team somewhere nice. So um, things are definitely looking a, a bit different this year, which we wanted to just use as a launch point to talk about what's going to come next. So obviously we all know about the state of the world today. You guys are on a virtual event right now. So I think the million dollar question for all of us, and we talked about this a lot, both of us together, is when are events going to return? And I want to let alone talk about the survey that he did, which I think is very interesting because we had some similar learnings at Saster. So why don't you tell us a little bit about this study and how you guys got to this graph because I think it's super interesting. So we surveyed a couple of hundreds of event professionals, uh, mainly from larger organizations, uh, usually organizations who definitely have the, the, the teams that are heavily impacted um, by this prediction because they are planning a lot ahead. You can see based on this data that overall 82% of event and marketing professionals plan on waiting until 2021 or later before yep. resuming in-person events, you see that 29% um, are claiming that in-person events will be back later than spring 2021, 33% spring 21, and around 20% um, as of now, kind of sitting on, sitting on the fence. Um, when we did the survey in May, people were a bit more optimistic uh, we yep. saw that um, there was around, at the time, 25, if I remember correctly, or even 40% thinking that um, Q3 would be, um, I'm pretty sure that even Saster at some point, uh, you guys were under the impression that yep. potentially Saster would be in person. Um, so I really hope that in a quarter from today, we'll be in a position to actually execute those predictions and not push those because I know right. that uh, most of the people in the audience are very much looking forward for events to be back. Yeah, so we, we did a very similar survey, not as big as yours. So I was like, let's use your data here. And you guys had a really cool graph that I was like, all right, let's, let's put this in here and use this as a launch off point. Um, we had very similar results of people saying spring or summer of 2021, which has helped us, you know, we're, we're tentatively planning annual, definitely in person next year for summer 2021 right now. Obviously, there's a lot of implications for live events for next year that I wanna go into and using this data to sort of mold it, right? So one thing I wanna talk about your experience that we talked about is like comfortability. You guys have like a lot of, you have a lot of different customers, you know, you've got Gainsight, HubSpot, us, like, running a lot of different similar but like different events like what have you seen from like your customers and your clients about their planning like does it align with this like what are their implications for like attendee comfortability right because there's one thing about people wanting to go back to events which is, which is what your graph has here which is great like a lot of people in line with like next year they want to go they want to go back right like the, the demand is there but let's talk a little bit about like comfortability like what have your customers what have you guys seen and shared about like you know people being comfortable going back like do you think math will be involved like what are your thoughts here first it's a, it's a fascinating topic and my personal opinion is that there will be an audience that organizers will not be able to ignore, who will not feel comfortable to go back um, in 2021 until there is a widespread vaccine available or until 
uh, more regulations are in place in regards to how to run events. I think the more innovator um, event organizers will be ahead of the curve and will be the one to push the industry to set those safety health standards. We're already seeing, you know, for example, our on-site team that powers on-site technology at events already working on um, several contactless check-in experiences. And I think that will just yep. become the norm. That said, I predict that towards age two, 2021, we're gonna see more local events taking place with a, a larger remote audience participate because of uh, limitations on business travel or after a year of not having business travel, people are starting to see the advantages of it. Um, and not everyone will just go back to, to doing so, um, just to meet a person. And maybe it's a good time to also talk a little bit. We all uh, mention hybrid these days. Yep. I'm not sure we're aligned on what is the hybrid definition. If I go to the basics, a hybrid event is one in which there is at least one, at least one virtual attendee and at least one um, attendee who's attending in person. That said, and from all of the insights that uh, we get from some of the amazing brands we work with, they're all thinking about, okay, how to actually prepare for hybrid. It sounds maybe simple on paper, but we see how complicated virtual events can be. We know how complicated in-person <laughs> events are. Now, mixing them two together, um, it's not one of those cases that it gets easier. It actually gets a little bit more complicated, and um, people definitely want to create those hybrid experiences, meaning to allow engagement between the remote audience and an in-person audience. And I do think that it will open, open up amazing opportunities to expand the reach of an event like we already see now with the virtual events of attendance rates is uh, five to 10 times higher than in person usually. Uh, too many different opportunities for a remote audience to actually engage with the people on site and the people on site will have an opportunity to engage with the people who are on site, but with the remote audience as well. Um, yeah, I, I want to I want to hit that next a lot of what you're saying on hybrid. I think one thing I want to touch on just a little bit that you that you were talking about here, and we talked a little bit on like the the pre the pre the pre show call. <laughs> uh, you know, the the comfortability thing is just so important for for folks, right? It's like you have a lot of really big customers that are running much like Saster global events, right? So it's like, there's implications not only for the, for the U S of like, when will events come back, but there's also this like global community factor of like a lot of people who typically come to Saster and a lot of your customer events fly from all over the world to the Bay area to come to this event. Right. Cause it's, it's, it's so value add for them. Like they can come to an event, they can visit their customers, they can go do a prospect dinner. Like they get multiple check boxes when they come to the Bay area and come to an event. And I think right now, obviously it's, it's hard for us as an industry to sort of nail how we do all those things virtually. I've seen some people get crafty and they're definitely like trying to like get that sort of engagement back, right? Of like, okay, let me hit all the audience, not just like attend the content, um, which I think we've been a bit slower at. And then I think in terms of comfortability, right? One of the things we, we chatted about was like, you know, what does health and safety look like for next year? Obviously like, you know, as event organizers, there's a lot of onus I think on the organizers as folks you know for Saster, right? Of like coming up with health and safety standards that make all your attendees comfortable. like out of like overabundance, right? Like do things that you're like, 
I know it'll seem like overkill to most people, but there will be people where, you know, they'll want all those extra little things like hand sanitizers, masks, social distancing, if that's still around, like, you know, plexiglass, like outdoors, because outdoors is, you know, provably safer. Like there'll be all these sort of factors that event organizers are gonna have to take into consideration when we go back to in-person, just because I think, I think we both agree here that like, you know, you're gonna wanna make sure that every attendee feels comfortable walking in the door, that they feel safe, you know, that A, obviously it's allowed, you know, that events can return, but not only is it allowed, but that they feel safe, right? It's a, it's a it seems like a big jump today doesn't it to go from like you're sitting in your home of, at a virtual conference to I feel comfortable going back to a conference with 3,000 other people? No doubt. And um, I think you know, our, our social skills are probably taking a hit when we're <laughs> all working from home and exactly events is uh, the ultimate um, social exchange. And I think we're going to see new interesting roles as part of the event organizing team uh, yep. who will become those um, health and in a way compliance experts and there will be different um, either badges or ranking um, of different health criteria um, yep. to make to exactly do what you talked about before to make your audience feel very comfortable um, and the things are moving so fast and we Office. all need to stay Hyper very speed. much up, up, up to date with all of the um, new innovations in terms of uh, um, timely um, checkups that you can do that people yep. will be able to to get tested on the day off instantly and get a result. Yes. And I, I, I do see that people will have certain criteria. I'm sure that regulation will be in place for you to be able to actually highlight the health or safety level of your organization in a way that will be shared among the industry people will know what is a level one level two level three and so on to empower people to take the right decision for them um but it it will take time it will take time and for that reason hybrid is going to become sure. the new king um you will not be able yeah. to ignore the, the virtual audience yeah let's talk about it a bit because i know we could we could literally talk all day about it <laughs> so we have like 25 minutes so um, yeah, I agree with a lot of what you said, you know, rapid COVID testing, you know, they've already started working on this. Um, it's already becoming a reality. So I think by next year, you know, it'll hopefully be readily available to us event organizers, but I agree with you with like a level of system. Um, so let's switch a little bit to hybrid because I know we, we both agree here that like hybrid will be the future of events again for that comfortability, ease of audience, you know, it's not, it's not easy for all founders to get on a plane and come to the Bay Area for all the reasons we mentioned, which is why a lot of folks are going hybrid here. And so you're, what you guys have seen in your data is that many people are already planning their next event to be a hybrid event. Yes, uh, again, most of them are talking about H2 um, yep. 2021, and they already have plans in place to start in-person events, which is, uh, again, great news. And it also drives event software companies to think about that day because we, I, I like to think that until March 2020, an era has ended. The in-person era has ended in a way. We're now in a, uh, a transition period called the virtual yep. era that you're not, it's not even possible to run an in-person event. Having said that, the virtual era, um, virtual being an only option, it's a matter of time. It can be, we can argue whether it's H1 or H2, 
but the hybrid era is coming. And in order to be prepared you know, from a technology, from comfortability perspective, from a production perspective, there are many production implications to have, um, you know, hybrid events have been, have been run for many years, right? TED or yeah. the Web Summit or many people South who by, actually yeah. streamed their event. But in my mind, a hybrid event is not just, let's make sure to stream our event. Because the big difference is that you actually want the remote audience to feel a part of the event. Not just right. the event is taking place in Silicon Valley and people can watch it from around the world. You want people to actually be part of the event. And that's a big challenge of how to not neglect the virtual audience and how to make sure they feel very valued and are part of the conversation, part of the engagement and part of the networking. Yeah, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Like something we've been talking about internally with our 2021 annual planning, right? It's like whenever we have it, agreed with you on like the timing here, is it has to be high, it has to be hybrid, obviously for us it's like a no-brainer i think b for us too it's like we almost think about them as separate events there is like an annual in-person event that will be next year that is like it will yes definitely look different than like other annuals we've had you know again for comfortability all these factors we've been saying and then there's going to be a virtual event which will also be its own entity and i think you have to treat these obviously there's a lot of implications for marrying the two which i want to get to next because i know you and i had some good points here um that we covered off on so uh well, yeah let me flip to that slide um but yeah so there's you know there's this whole implications of marrying the two of hybrid and in person to create um, a hybrid event with the digital, but I think the digital, you know, is not to be overlooked. Like you almost need to give it its own team, treat it as its own event. So it's not what you just mentioned, right? If people are just tuning in, like you can tune into like Comic-Con panels, what you were saying, TEDx, like South by for years, but it's not the same, right? For years we're like, oh, this sucks. Like I'd rather, I'd rather go to that event. Like it's not the same as it is in person. And I think it's because these people just stream, like streaming, from a stage does not equal a hybrid event, right? Like those are two very different things. Like let's just say, yeah, maybe technically by definition, it's a hybrid event. But I think if you want to nail the attendee experience, the sponsor experience, the organizer experience, you have to treat these um, as separate events. And I know, you know, there's obviously, we've mentioned like a lot of people going digital, a lot of people are planning to go hybrid. I want to hit on these implications that you and I chatted about just before we run out of time here. So I think, you know, you've seen a lot. What are, what are maybe your top implications for folks to keep in mind when they're planning their next events, you know, defaulting them to being hybrid? So I think you're right that those are in a way to different events, but I think that what we need to do is to challenge our industry and the organizers to actually treat it as one event with two audiences with special needs. Um, because if we treat it as two different events, we may create a disconnected experience for the remote audience. Yep. So for example, I think we need to look at data in a holistic manner. We need to look at networking and engagement and meetings in a way that yes, your location is you're, you're not at the event, but we're going to allow you to meet the person who's on site and vice versa. You're not maybe watching um, the main stage live, but we're going to provide you with an amazing stream and with the many tools to actually engage both the stage and the audience. And that said, we also need to create enough ad advantages to attend on site. Yep. Because... After all, I think, you know, we, we all, everyone who's here, like, is a big believer in the power of in-person. 
And I did hear people say, if we're going to offer so much for the remote audience, in a way, why would they show up? Right. Why would they go back? Um, But that said, again, the power of in-person is will will always be there. So people will always have a reason to actually um, interact in real life. The amazing advantages we already see with virtual events is obviously reach, which translates Mm -hmm. into more leads, um, more pipeline. Definitely, one could argue that in terms of the lead scoring or the lead strength compared to a live event, it's it's not there. Meaning, yes, you get more, but the level of engagement with those leads is not like right because you can't have, have a conversation with that person. You're also missing like you know the the spontaneity that you get out of in person events, right? It's like you can have somebody walk by your booth and have a really great conversation and have that person turn into a customer either right there or like the next day, right? Which you're not really getting right now at a virtual, not yet. Not yet, but Not I can yet. tell you that we're working on it, and I'm sure many other um, software are working on it to create those serendipity moments, those random meetings, because everything that is happening at the hallways right. is, is what is missing now in most virtual events. Right. Um, yes, you watch, you, you consume amazing content, and you can do some uh, potentially one-on-one meetings, but... People attend events in my mind. Most people think that the audience attends events because of the content and because of networking. And I think that there is a third very, very clear reason for people to attend events, which is just the overall experience. Yep. To bump into uh, random people, to bump into different experiences. And this is what we need now to create. And this is our job as technology enablers to empower organizers to actually create those engaging experiences and to have people be surprised and and even emotional even if they are only um accessing an event from remote and i I definitely think that when you look at the gaming world or e-games when you look at companies like twitch and netflix and and so on we're going to borrow a lot of the successful elements of these platforms to then create a lot of innovation and i think you know in a year the things we're going to see on the virtual hybrid space, uh, it's going to be almost a revolution compared to what people see now. In you know, the world that had shifted to virtual in six months. And I think it's amazing what the event technology industry was able to do. Think about what would happen actually in a year and a half that you see so many millions of dollars are now being invested in our, in our space. Yep. Yeah, we touched on earlier, the cloud is on fire. I want to end with like a, just some positive takeaways here, right? Like there's obviously a lot of implications for going digital, which we could do a whole other session on of like, you know, it's Alona and I were like cattily sharing, like it's tough. Like it's not, you know, it's not the same in person. Like we're running SAS annual at home and I can't see my team. Like they're doing an amazing job, but I wish like, you know, I could see them that like I could take them out for dinner every day. Like it's definitely not the same. So I'm a little bummed about that, um, right? But there is, you know, you hit on this great point of making connections. I think, you know, that's something that we're trying to all nail is with our virtual events as they're getting better and better. And, you know, eventually going to hybrid is like, you know, there's this great thing of like, you know, giving your audience access when it's a digital event now in 2020. Like, you know, we've been trying for years to get Ben Chestnut to speak for MailChimp and we finally got him this morning because it's like easier for him to do it virtual than, you know, fly, fly from Atlanta SF. Like, you know, he's very much involved at the MailChimp seat time, like team, right? So it's like, 
for him to take time out of his days is super tough. So we finally got him because we went virtual. So it's like, it's definitely great because, you know, we're getting more attendees than ever before. We're getting like these speakers that were like our unicorn speakers that we've been trying to get for years. So like, there's definitely a lot of benefits here, right? A um, lot of learnings on like making it easy for people with digital, you know, we try and keep it about like 20 minute sessions or so, which means we have to wrap soon. Uh, but, you know, we, we try and make it easy. There's some cool things some of your clients like Salesforce is doing of like, you know, we went to a Salesforce event last week. They had like a live band, which is uber cool. Like people are still trying to make, you know, make it even better and better every time there's like a new digital event. It's like, it's just getting better. Um, so obviously a lot of good reasons to go, to go digital now, but obviously a lot of, a lot of implications too for like what's, what's coming um, and what comes next. So I'll let you hit on your top takeaways here in our last minute. I think overall, and the reason that we see such a hype uh, around virtual events is that at the end of the day, um, we as, as brands, we need to engage our, our audience, our customers and our leads. And I, just like I believed before, events are still the most meaningful marketing channel in driving engagement, whether they Agreed. are virtual or in-person. Um, yeah. Talking about pipeline, I definitely warmly recommend to anyone who has not run a virtual event before, um, I can tell you that we ran our own uh, virtual event in, in May, one of the first largest uh, virtual event productions uh, since COVID hit, and that was a huge enabler to our own pipeline. It was a great reminder, okay, let's eat our own dog food to make sure that um, <laughs> we also feel the power I can say drink event. your own champagne, but it's a good analogy. <laughs> Champagne is always better. Um, differentiation attendee experience definitely is key. There are many events taking place now, and we see many creative things like you know Salesforce uh, use Pissable, and they use this yep. jungle theme. And yeah. HubSpot has an example of they understand that people are joining from home, and some of their sessions are audio only, which I think is very creative. Yep. Super cool. Um, and in general, I think hybrid is going to be that holy grail in which. People will need to create an experience that is one plus one equal three, meaning it's not just a virtual event and an in-person event taking place over the same time. It opens up a lot of creative ways to connect those two audiences. And I think um, there are a lot of good reasons to, to wait for. And I'm, I'm optimistic about the state of our industry because I believe in-person events will be back. Yeah, well, we had a, we had a lot of great points here that um, I'm sure we'll get to next time. <laughs> I'm like, we'll have you back. We'll do a longer session. I know you and I could talk about events literally all day long. Um, so for folks who want to get in touch with you, is Twitter, Twitter's the best way? Tweet you? Uh, Twitter, um, yes. My, my email is alone at bizable.com. If anyone wants to, to shoot an email. And again, Amila, thank you very much for your time. I know there's a lot of curiosity about this topic and we can definitely arrange uh, such a session again. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for, uh, for, uh, for being here and making the time, you know, it's, um, I think it's always great to hear what you're, what you guys are doing internally, what your customers are doing, obviously us being one of them, but we're just one of many. So it's always nice to hear from you, you know, like what's next on the forefront of events. Um, so thanks again, alone. And thank you guys for running. For um, thank you for running an amazing SAS okay. conference and bringing in uh, the community together and such amazing speakers. So I know that you're, you're a small team and you're running an amazing production. <laughs> Uh, so thank you very much and great job. We try. Thanks a lot, everyone.
If you want to sell to large customers, you'll need to get SOC2 compliance. SecureFrame helps startups automate SOC2 compliance in as little as two weeks. Join companies like Stream, Hasura, Benapart, and unlock more sales for your business. Zaster listeners get $1,000 off at secureframe.com forward slash Zaster. Thank you.